and welcome to Stick to Hockey Podcast, a very special episode with a special guest. And before we get to our guest, it is episode 70, and I want to know if Russ Cohen did, uh, did his homework. Do you have a 70 for episode 70? No, I thought we were up to like 79, so no, I didn't do my homework. Tough. You, you never, you never. All right, let's bring in our guest, Jeff Marrick from Sportsnet. Uh, he hosts Hockey Central. He is uh, a co-host also of the 31 Thoughts, the podcast, and he joins us on the Stick to Hockey podcast. And I guarantee he's got a number 70 uh, for episode number 70. Do you have a, a, a player that wore well, number 70, pressure, Jeff? Man. Looking for a number 70. It's a goalie uh, number. Nothing is jumping to mind. No, it's a total goalie number two. Uh, those numbers Bob are all. What's that? Bob is seventy-two. Bob wore it at one time. Maybe. Oh, seventy-two. Yeah, seventy-two. Yeah. Seventy-two. Who wore? This is where you need Scott Morrison's by the numbers book. Um, <laughs> yeah. To to jump right in there. Who there are the three current goalies wearing it right now. Wow. Uh, to, to, to Braden Holtby. Yes. There's that's oh, your good one. Yes. Holtby the Corpedo. Also wears. Oh seven. yeah, Jonas Corposalo. Okay, very good. How about Who's Louis Deming? Aha, uh-huh, that's Deming. right. The perennial and, backup, good. And and let me give you one last one. I'll give you a hint because this guy's name probably came up in the decision to move the draft uh, to after the season is completed because he was traded from the Kings with conditions to Vancouver. Oh, Jack Campbell. No, okay. Well, Campbell. Jack Campbell. Uh, well, he. Uh, but I'm thinking of Tanner Pearson. Oh, Pearson. Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. So he's another, another, another seventy. He was on that seventies line, uh, out in uh, with the Kings with Jeff Carter, of course. And, That's right. So, Tyler Toffoli. Yeah. Yeah. There you go, uh, Jeff. This thanks for a, doing this. Is, this is uh, my pleasure. I love little on ramps like this with little spot quizzes on numbers. Um, <laughs> there was. You see, those are always race car numbers, right? All those high yes. ones. Those are the ones that the guys, when they get them at training camp, they're like, they call their parents right away and they say, okay, I just got number 70. That's a pretty good indication. I'm going to be around here for a couple of skates and then, um, and then I'm going back. When you get the low numbers, that unless you're in Boston, I guess. Uh, that no, that's true. There's actually like a, a, Dwight Gooden, there's a Dwight Gooden card, baseball card with him, like number 64. So, oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> One of them is like number 64. So that does happen to all sports. It is funny. Sure. Well, I, yeah. I could go. What's going on, boys? I could go to Jeff Word Association and give you Russell Crowe. Sure. No, no, no. Let's Russ start Courtenall, with Let's go. Uh, Bill Russell. Oh, uh, from, that, from the Hound line. Yes. And give you all those. And like Elliot, I don't know that Russ would pick up that they were all Russells like you did the Bills in your last episode. I, one thoughts the bug. Okay. We, we, ha- we have a new one, a new pod that's coming out today. Uh, and there's another word association. And uh, Elliot, once again, did not get it. Now, I kind of I told him last week I wasn't going to do a theme. But if you listen to it this week, let me know how quickly – how quickly you get it. I thought it was an obvious right. one. You should probably pick it up in like four or five. There's a couple that are a stretch, um, but you guys should be able to pick it up in about four or five names. Awesome. Elliot was All clueless. Right. But Elliot's clueless. <laughs> well, I mean, you hit him with eight bills and he had no clue, so <laughs> which was perfect oh, man. for my ride you, home. I'll tell you, man, what, what, when I got to Bill Words, I'm like, okay, I'm like eight deep here. Like mm-hmm. Elliot, like smart. Martin, up guy. Like this, <laughs> come on, dude. You're supposed to pay attention to these types of things. Well, anyway, the the irony was problems. at the end that he says, I love it when you give me random names. <laughs> 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 like, and you know what? You're you're in them, with me. 
We'll, we'll get some outside of hockey too. Let's just get some randoms outside. It doesn't all have to be random hockey names like you just gave me. Oh, right. I'll say I, I had it in Bill Water, so <laughs> who I love. By Did the way. You, it took you that long, eh? Yeah, I was. Wow, I, was we, I killed a lot of brain cells over the weekend, Jeff, out in Western Pennsylvania at uh, my buddy's cabin. <laughs> so <laughs> happens. Yeah, it, it that was happens. Fun. I've been that guy. Don't worry. Yeah, I, 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 as as we like to say, I understand. Yes. I understand. We've all I been resemble that, that remark. Um, Jeff, um, mm. so let, in, let's talk in your about- subsequent episode, have you guys figured out what the hell's going on with the draft lottery yet? Because I'm still glazed over. <laughs> it's a difficult one. I, I think <laughs> if you want simplicity, you hope that, you know, when, when they do the lottery uh, on the 26th, that uh, Detroit pops up and Ottawa pops up and Anaheim pops up. So there will be no phase two. Right, but I don't know, man. Like, give me chaos. Give me phase two. Well, you, give me something. Give chaos. me something. Why I do? Like, listen. I th- I think we all do in this profession. I think we're all looking for something to talk about, something wild, something unexpected. I, I think honestly, whether we want to admit it or not, that's kind of what we're in here. Like, we don't want the predictable. And I would even, right. you know, I always talk about how players like focus so much on respect. I don't know how many times I've ever said, man, I can't wait to go watch these two teams play hockey. They really respect one another. That's going to make for a great showdown here. Um, but yeah, no, like I, I, I cheer for, you know, whatever is wild and whatever is, is outrageous. So you want it to be like Joker's wild and have three placeholders come up. <laughs> you know, I would. Uh, but you know what? I'd also, I also want I also really enjoy it when Twitter gets set on fire. And, okay, let me ask you guys. I'll throw it right back on, on your own show. Let me play host. What team winning the lottery, and maybe the obvious is Edmonton and New Jersey, what team winning the lottery would set Twitter on fire? It's All right, it's a scenario, but if the Pittsburgh Penguins were to lose to the Montreal Canadiens and got the lottery pick, it would yep. set it on fire. That's what I said on the podcast. That's what I said on today's podcast. If the Penguins and oh my, here we go again. Oh yeah, and they and they and and again they go to Ramuski for the guy. Yeah, QMJHL (laughs) instead of Crosby. Now it's Alexi Lafreniere. That's exactly what I said on the pod this week. Yeah. Yep. And that would be some other some other scenarios, Jay, which were interesting and and really you almost have to be a math major with this, but. If you think about it, Ottawa's probably got somewhere around a 40% chance for at least the second pick based on the fact that yep. they have two high picks. Now, you would also think they have the best chance, right, for the third. So I think the odds are that they'll either get first and third, first and second, or first and third if, you, if the odds are in their favor. Now, if they get first and second, how mad is Steve Weiserman going to be? Livid. Livid because I mean, he this will. was. I mean, you guys followed the Red Wings all season long. I mean, it wasn't as bad as the Buffalo Sabres, where every time a goaltender made a save, he got traded like right away. Right. Hang on, right. we want David here. We don't need these cute saves anymore here in <laughs> Buffalo. We have our eyes on, on a bigger prize here. But you know, this was you know, this was what Detroit was was gunning for. Now, not the players. Uh, not Jeff Flashel and the coaching staff. I don't believe for a second that players go in the tank or coaches go in the tank. Like, not those guys. But there are moves that are made above. Or I should say, moves that aren't made above that help right. ensure you the best chance uh, at getting your preferred uh, your preferred draft pick. And you look at the Detroit Red Wings all season long. There was 
there were no efforts made other than maybe perhaps the Robbie Fabry deal with uh, Jacob DeLaRose going to St. Louis. Uh, That was early in the season. Maybe that was the only one that you look at. You said, okay, they're really trying uh, to do something (laughs) for this team right now. And Fabry did work out with the Detroit Red Wings. But I mean, this was the MO, you know, they were a bad team and the plan was they were going to stay bad because this was going to be Steve Eisman putting his fingerprints on this squad. So how upset would they be? I mean, you know it's going to be, you know, it's a lottery and you're not guaranteed, you know, that first overall pick or, or that second uh, overall pick when you're dealing with a lottery. But still, if I'm Eisman, I don't get, if I don't, if I don't walk away with Lafreniere or Byfield, I'm, I'm pretty hot. Ooh, right. I can only imagine, yeah. That you, that right? you want a, the pain to mean something. And it's not like if this is one of those, it's not a McDavid draft. It's not an Austin, Austin Matthews draft, but yeah, it's, it's still, it's, it's more symbolic that, hey, we were really bad and we were light years worse than everybody else in the league. And so we get something out deliberately, of it. Yeah. Deliberately. Yeah, yeah. Like that, that's right. the plan. And the, th- the thing is like the one thing that, you know, you guys know about Steve Eisenman is he does things deliberately and he does them his own way. Like you look at the Moritz Cider pick last year. I mean, there was only, I mean, I know that uh, Mark Seidel had Moritz Cider pretty high, like five or six. I did too. I did too. Yeah. Did, did you have him that high? Yeah, I did. I have you did? Okay. Yeah. Then you know what? Then good on you uh, because you called. I had some um, inside intel, though. I did. And, about Detroit. About, okay. Okay. No, so here's not about here's, Detroit. No, no, not about Detroit, about Cider because I know about three guys who cover Mannheim. Believe it or not. Okay. So, he, so here, let me give you a reason why I'm pissed off at Todd Halushko, whom I love. He's a wonderful guy. I worked <laughs> with him for years at Sportsnet. Yeah, Great guy. So dude. Todd works in Mannheim, right? And so – Cider gets picked, and I'm working on the, the panel with uh, with um, uh, with Brian Burke and Sam Cosentino and Louie. And, you know, like, whoa, here's the shock of the draft, the Detroit Red Wings. What a Steve Eisenman move. That's his guy. He doesn't care if he could trade down and get him. He's making his move, and, he, and he's getting his guy. And I can recall after the draft, so I'm talking to Todd Halishko. I call him, and he's like, I'm like, wow, how your boy, you know, your Mannheim guy. He goes to Detroit really high. And he's like, yeah, no surprise. I mean. What do, you mean, no, what do you mean no surprise and he's like oh yeah steve was here like three times in the last like couple of months this year i'm like you know you want to like share that with me but like how long have i known you like that's yeah. kind of important a text, text would have been nice <laughs> like that would have yeah. been great like, to hey, come out of my mouth at the desk <laughs> <laughs> yes that you know, is, I can see I can see Eiserman going, you know, off the board here and, and taking the, the German defenseman. He was in Mannheim three times over the past month and a half. Yeah, but I I love you know, him. I, but uh, I am going to hit you with one more thing, Jeff, about the draft. Not so much the lottery because I think we're good with that for the moment. Because yeah. again, I don't think the three placeholders will come up. But if they did, it would make for a tough broadcast. I would say that. But some of the rankings where I see Tim Stutzler second right and and i interviewed him i got an exclusive with him he's a good kid i really like him i think he'll be in the top five all of a sudden and this is a product of a lot of drafts but this one's going to be different because we have looked at quentin byfield for so long now people are nitpicking about him and looking for someone else to put in that second slot instead where i don't believe for a minute there'll be any team that will go for Stutz for a second i really don't uh you know what there is how do we say it? There are some who, when you, when I think when you put together lists, I think, you know, if I'm an editor, okay. And my guy who's putting together his top 31 or who's, you know, my guy or, or gal that's putting together a top 31, when they submit it to me, you know, I might want to look at it and say, okay, well, where's the headline? 
Okay. Cause uh, in a lot of ways, you know, the, the list that everyone puts together, I mean, there's a lot of hard work that goes into it, but ultimately the payoff is the draft itself. Like a lot of the, a lot of the right. lists I've always, remember I used to talk to Damien about this when he used to do the list for this at Sportsnet and he would, Oh, he'd be like, Oh, I don't know. This guy's 18 or 17. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, you know what, you know, Damien, God bless you for putting all this sweat equity in and really thinking about it and talking to a lot of people. But a lot of this is marketing. Like a lot of this is marketing for the draft. Like don't kill yourself about whether you have this guy at 16 and he really should be right. maybe 21 or do, do I, in, do I inch him up? Like don't, don't kill yourself on that other than, other than if you're trying to make a headline out of your list. And, you know, we've, we've seen, you know, we've seen plenty of people. We all know who they are. We all remember the list where someone is ranked like way higher than he should or way lower than he should. And that's just to grab your attention, to make sure you yeah. read that person. I, I refuse list. to do it. But one year, yeah. Valerie Nishushkin in the midterm rankings for one company was ranked number one. I went ballistic on Twitter. I admit it. And I almost never do. But I was just like, yeah. come on, you don't even believe this. Just stop. <laughs> you know, there was some, you, you go back and you look how high, like, you know, um, you look at uh, Andre Kostitsin in, in his yeah. draft year. There was, there was, I believe, one pretty reputable company that I believe for most of the year had him at number one. Um, I get it. It's marketing. You want to hang your hat on. And if it works out, you can play the I told you so card. And if it doesn't, it'll yeah. probably just go away anyway. And we'll have all forgotten about it after draft day. So I think a, a lot of them, and I'm with you, by the way, like you're sitting number two and you have a chance to grab Quentin Byfield with that size, with that skill. I know what happened at the World Juniors. We all saw that. We also saw the second half of the Sudbury Wolves season where he started to once again turn it on and tear it up. And he's almost a full yeah. year younger than Alexi Laff. Like we, we know all these things. I, I find it really hard given that, you know, you're winning right down the middle with, with big guys. You know, show me the small, successful centerman in the NHL. Right. I'll wait. Uh, how you turn down someone like Quentin Byfield at number two is is beyond me. Hey, Jeff, um, when you look at the the field of 24, uh, and I look yep. in the Eastern Conference, and I look at that best of five play-in round, I see no more intriguing matchup than a healthy Columbus Blue Jackets team to face <laughs> the Toronto Maple Leafs. This has, yeah. on so many levels, right? For, of course, it's Toronto who hasn't yep. gotten out of the first round and gets Boston every year. But then you combine that with nope. Seth Jones, who's been skating because he's been rehabbing from yep. the injury, Cam Atkinson returning. And then, you know, the situation with the, the, the big three in Toronto and the $35 million that they're getting paid. Do you see any yeah. more intriguing matchup? I know you're in Toronto, but nonetheless, from a hockey standpoint, from a storyline standpoint, this is as good as it gets. Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you what, first of all, as an aside, what we know now is the worst position you can be in is the team that wins the play-in, but then loses in the first round because you get no shot at the lottery yep. and you get no shot at the Stanley Cup. That is the worst spot to be in. If you're going to lose, lose yep. early. You're down two bagel. Mm -hmm. Yeah, maybe you're thinking about it here. Like, do we really? Okay, so um, it is a half percent chance. If yeah, you, if the first pick hasn't happened. Yeah, totally. So, the um, the thing about the Columbus Toronto matchup is this: it is the contrast in styles. 
know, Toronto still wants to score their way out of every problem. And many times they have been able to score themselves uh, out of every problem. Whereas the Columbus Blue Jackets grind you every single shift. Now, there's not that player on Columbus since Panarin left to go to the Rangers that can score the easy goal that takes all the pressure off. I mean, that's why guys like, you know, Panarin are so vital. That's why a guy like Phil Kessel was so important to either, you know, Pittsburgh or the Maple Leafs. Because if you have to grind for every single goal, it's exhausting. And to have someone, you know, having to skate down the wing and snap and boom, oh, you hear the crossbar go and it's barred and it's, it is takes such pressure off everybody when you have someone that can score an easy goal. No one's scoring easy goals on Columbus. Like they have to fight and claw and scratch for every single goal. That is difficult. Like I know what they did yeah. last year to Tampa. That was remarkable. Uh, I know what they've done in the regular season, and that should get John Tortorella some Jack Adams love. I just don't know. If you don't have someone that can score an easy goal and you have to grind for every single thing you get in the playoffs, I know it would be a best of five and then a best of seven. I, I wonder how challenging that is, not just from a play point of view, but just from a mental point of view as, as well. Like, you, you know, you, you say to yourself, man, Maple Leafs score three goals, this thing might be over. You know, whereas a lot of teams can say, yeah, we're down three bagel. We still got this. We can still put something together. My last question for you, Jeff, is you look at the Carolina series and three times now they have complained. So clearly it's either the 25 and five record that Lundquist has, even though he hasn't played a lot this year against them, or the fact that the Rangers are three and zero against them this season, or they don't want to face <laughs> Panarin. But I can't believe Rob Brindamore actually was whining yesterday. It's a no-win situation, right? It's a no-win situation for the Carolina. Like, there are plenty of teams that are upset. Like, hang on, like, what what did our regular season mean here? You know, like, to, actually, to be honest with you, and even though I am right here, I will give credit to this Maple Leafs organization who has as much reason to grouse as anybody else. Like, they can say, like, hold on a second, like, what did this regular season mean for us if we could be, you know, punted in, in, in five games against a team like the, the Columbus Blue Jackets? Um, I am I am a little bit surprised because it doesn't seem to be Rod Brindamore's, you know, MO to, to grouse about things like that. He's always been... And, you guys, you know, know him and, and have covered him and watched him as a player and watch him as a, a coach, either assistant or head. Um, that's not that's not Rod Brindamore. He's not the uh, the excuse guy, other than maybe to take pressure uh, off uh, off of someone else. Like the the only time, like the only time this season, funny we were just talking about the Maple Leafs. The only time that I saw Rod Brindamore ever really significantly crush his team was that uh, December 23rd, was it December 23rd or maybe 24th, uh, game against the Maple Leafs where they went down 3 nothing and then up 5-3 to three or 6-3 to three and then end up losing 8-6. Uh, to six. Yeah. He said that was the only time that I ever saw that all season that my team wasn't prepared for a game. And that's you know really the only time we've seen him come out harshly and, and complain about his squad. We've never seen him complain about the schedule and that's why this one seems like a little bit surprising too. But... Let's face it, you get a hot Ranger goaltender, and we all know the Panarin's money, whether it's regular season or, or in the postseason. I don't know, man. That's uh that 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 it's matchup may, may have all the recipes for the quote unquote upset. But then here's my question I'll throw back to you guys. Given this huge layoff, given the you know mental situation that everybody is going through, it's not just physical now when you're playing in the playoffs, it's a mental grind as well. What's an underdog? What's an upset? I have no yeah, idea. Yeah, I mean, everybody's healthy. You're right. Even even the Bruins, who are the best team in the league, may not help hold the top spot because of the play-in. So yeah. nobody has any momentum, really. No. Or like, home ice. And you think of it. 
Yeah. Like you could, could you guys not make the argument that as much as people may look at this and say, oh, it's a COVID cup, put the asterisks beside it and all that, this may be the hardest Stanley Cup ever to win. It could like, be. When you, yeah, con- what you're when, when you consider what, yeah, exactly. Like what yep. everyone has had to go through to get there. Um, you know, I've talked a lot about the 2006 Carolina Hurricanes lately and how that was the season, as you guys recall, where it was a new rules package, standard of enforcement, obstruction, yeah. the Flyers got caught. Now we're loaded up with, you know, oak trees on the blue line, you know, where there's no way they're going to keep this up. We're hooking, we're holding, and they got caught. Whereas teams like the Carolina Hurricanes were like, no, all defensemen are joining the rush. It's all about yeah. foot speed. Um, and they end up winning the whole thing. It was a freaky year. You know, Jonathan Chichu, 56 goals. Like, where where yeah. does that come? It was yeah. a weird yeah. year. Like anything could yeah. happen. I look at Although this. Although they did get to face UC Market in, in a couple of games, they did they did get that. nope. That was a break for them. That that is fair. It was a break for them, and I'll, I'll tell you what, man. They got stretched early. They got really pressured early by a, re- a really good and underrated Montreal Canadiens team. But I mean, it was yeah. a weird year. Like it was a yeah. jump ball yeah. year, and I kind of look at this twenty four team playoff scenario. And as much as you might want to write off the twelve, Chicago and Montreal, why not? Corey Crawford gets hot. Why not? You know, Carey Price gets hot. Why not? Like, that's why I look at it and I say, man, this is going to be a difficult one to handicap because I don't think we have a real handle or an understanding of what each team is considering everyone's been on layoff for so long now. Jeff, last question for you. And I appreciate you joining us. Um, What is the key? What is the key to getting your team back to a level uh, as close to a level as when the pause happened. Now, for some teams, they don't want to go to the level they were at because it wasn't good enough. For other teams, like the Flyers, who had won nine of their last ten, um, they got to get back to that level as quickly as possible. And they have a, a very veteran coaching staff, a Jack Adams nominee for sure, and Elaine Vigneault. What is going to be the key for these teams to recapture? Because there's going to be teams that do, and there's going to be teams that yeah. don't. And both are going to be teams that you didn't expect to be good are going to be good and teams that you didn't expect to be bad may not come back as, as the team they were. That's a great question. And I think every coach is asking himself that right now. I, I, my, my knee jerk answer to that one is play to who you are. Uh, what's the old Frank Zappa line? Cows don't make ham. You are what you is, you know, you is what you am. A cow don't make ham. Yeah. Um, I know there's going to be a, That's there's, there's going to be a, probably a, 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 an inclination for every team um, to play more conservative than they ever have because you just don't know. You just don't know what's under the hood until you start playing games. So this sport, more than any other sport, tends to default to defense and playing conservative hockey and safe hockey and make sure you have the numbers and above the puck and all these types of things. So I, I wonder how much of the game is conservative. But then I look at some teams, and we just brought up the Maple Leafs a second ago. You know, if you're Sheldon Keefe, do you not just say, you know what, we're a team that's got to skate. We're a team that's got to skate and, and, and it's yep. got to take – that's who we were before. Yep. We can't they gotta reinvent, just do it. Yeah, we can't reinvent ourselves now. And I think every team has to have that conversation uh, about themselves and say, who are we and how quickly can we get back there? Because expecting these guys to play profoundly different just because of some fear that we have that what was successful before isn't going to work now – probably isn't going to fly long term it may listen it may help you win a round of the playoffs but i think over the over the course of if they get this on the ice over the course of this 24 game uh playoff with the play-in um i i think you you look you're gonna look at the team that is able to 
it's going to sound like such a cliche to be themselves quicker than everybody else. I think yeah. that's probably going to be the key. Yeah, and if you're dictating, then you're going to have an advantage and uh, get get a, your opponent chasing the game. And sometimes, yeah. and especially in these shorter series, if the first round is in fact five games, a best of five, like the play-in round, we'll see how that plays out. Hey, Jeff, man, we really appreciate this. We'll be checking you out on Sports Thanks, Central, Jeff. on Hockey Central. We'll also check you out, obviously, on 31 Thoughts, the podcast with you and Elliot. Great stuff. And uh, I know you're like uh, like all of us and, and the people that watch and listen to this podcast. We just want this game back on the ice. Let's go. Let's drop the puck. And <laughs> yeah, drop the yeah, puck. Get a, guy. a lot of hurdles still to overcome, but let's get this yeah. thing back on the ice where it belongs. You know what? I can't wait. I can't wait, guys, for that. It's that split second before something happens. To me, the best photographs in sports are the ones that take place that split second of time right before an event happens right before the big that's why i think that um you know the bill barilko shot the big famous goal what makes that photograph so great uh, and it's shot by nat tarofsky who is a house photographer at maple leaf gardens what makes it great is you know you see jerry mcneil back and rocket richard's got his mouth open and barilko is flying through the air and the puck you can see it it's about to go in the net but it hasn't yet all the fans are still yeah. sitting down. To me, it's a perfect sports shot because it's that that moment of anticipation right before it happens, the event happens, that little slice of time. And I can only imagine, guys, and you'll probably feel the same way, I can only imagine how I feel right away, opening face-off, the whistle goes, the two guys come in for the draw, referee checks the goaltenders, and is about to drop that puck for ah. the first time, whenever it happens. Late July, August, but it's September. I could just because it's so built up you can only imagine what that's going to feel like. I'll, well, be, I'll be in front of my tv watching man we'll hear yeah, it with no yeah. fans as well you hear that smack on the ice <laughs> like yeah. like i hear echoing through my beer league <laughs> that's a good point that's yep absolutely jeff hey thanks for doing this uh we'll be checking you out on, on the podcast and everything uh at thanks boys all right Appreciate see ya awesome thanks guys buzz back anytime it's been a lot of fun uh, special thanks to Jeff Marrick for joining us here on the Stick to Hockey podcast from uh, Sportsnet.ca, uh, Hockey Central, and of course the Thirty One Thoughts the podcast. And I'm a total idiot. I thought this was episode seventy. It's actually episode number eighty. <laughs> well, leave it to me, Russ. You were more prepared than I was on this occasion. Um, Russ, couple Nick things. Antropov. Yeah. Yes. Good job, hey. Nick Antropov. Wow. Um, we're at that period of time on the calendar right now where normally it would be your Stanley Cup finals. Um, we have not seen any, obviously, any NHL playoffs. It's been about 78 or 79 days since the last game was played in the NHL. How much longer are we going to wait? Because Gary Bettman in his announcement said uh, that phase three likely would not begin before July 1st or early July. Is it your feeling? that and do you share the feeling that i have that this olympic window on nbc has been the target all along I, it has but it still doesn't mean they don't start the play-in before that what gary Bettman said i think the big key was and again you have to get through the whole presser almost to get it was that guys will be allowed in camp on the first he wanted to wait because not every city was open at the same time right so guys can start trickling in the small groups on the first of June, blah, blah, blah. Eventually, we get to July. They're in training camp. He said, look, at, at that point, if guys only need like two weeks, they'll start the middle of July. Like they will. Yeah. They may not have to wait until the end 
it, it depends. He said it depends on the players, and they're going to listen to the players' feedback because if they say, hey, our legs are here, let's go, then he, they're going to go. Well, the, the one thing, too, is um, should we anticipate that these rounds are move a little bit quicker with a, a little bit more pace considering there will be no travel? Yes. I think um, you will see back-to-back games. I think uh, it will go quicker. I know he was talking about a situation where maybe it's two months for the whole rest of the season to, to close out. And I think that's doable, where before it would never be that. So, yeah, I mean, the only travel you would have is going from the East Coast city to the West Coast city, even if it's two Western locations, but you get what I'm saying, for the Stanley Cup. That's the only travel that they're going to have. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because if that's the case, say they start the third week of July and it takes eight, say nine weeks uh, roughly to complete this season, hand out the cup. Um, that takes you basically to the end of, of September. You're going to need 50 days in between. So you got all of October, those 30 days and about, I, I guess it, that 50 days also would be to start training camp. So you would start training camp basically mid November. I think we're probably looking at a December 1st, early December start to the 2020-21 season. That seems to make – if I'm doing the math right, that makes sense, right? It does make sense, but he did say that it's possible they could start the season in November because it depends when the – it depends when this one ends, right? Yeah. And that's the part that you don't know. That's the moving target. So it'll depend on that. That's the biggest deal, I think. But otherwise, there were a couple things. First one is they're not going to start the season with the Winter Classic. It's not going to happen. Even if they waited till January because they knew they could get fans in the stands, they're not going to start with the Winter Classic for a lot of reasons. The first one is they're not going to leave it up in the air and for basically fans to have it up in the air to see if they're going to sell that out. That is their, their big event. You can't do that and not know that you may have to switch the date for like an 80,000 seat stadium. Like you can't put yeah, that. You can't launch with a tenuous event. You can't launch with it. No, Yeah, it's too much to launch with. So they're not going to do that. I think, I think you're looking at sometime in November. I do. Um, if everything runs really well. And, and if it does start November, the good part is if there was a bad week in December, like they're saying, it could be where all of a sudden the virus starts kicking up you know, maybe they have to cancel some games, you know, postpone them. That wouldn't be the end of the world because at this point, they're not afraid to run into, you know, July, late July anymore. And I think if that happens again, we are now looking at your scenario where you always wanted the schedule to sort of be changed and everything to be later. So you have more sports overlap rather than everything at the same time. You might see a scenario where now in the future, the NHL starts in November every year. Yeah, and the interesting thing, too, is you know, Anthony Fauci, Dr. Fauci, spoke yesterday and said that um, a November or December timeline for a vaccine is in play. I was stunned to hear him say it. And it's not just one yeah. vaccine. It's multiple based on how these trials have been going. So it may be incumbent upon yeah. the NHL, the CHL, European leagues, that uh, maybe they start at a later time. Uh, to get fans in the building to capture those those dollars that everybody's missing so much right now, um, and the other part of it is well, I do. Go ahead. I was going to say the KHL announced they're starting September, mm-hmm. which is actually a little so late for them. They're they usually starting August, think. right? Correct. 
So they don't care what you think. They're going to start in September. Now that could play into what teams might do with certain players. Like, you know, if you're a player and you think, hmm, I'm deciding I want to turn pro. There's a guy like Daniil Gushkin who is going to go somewhere late first round, early second round, told me he's going to play pro next year, didn't know where. So that means college is out. That means CHL is out. The AHL could be out because that's almost certainly going to start late because they need fans. Yeah. So he probably goes to the KHL, right? And, yeah. and so I think they may get a benefit of getting a few more players like that because they're starting almost on time, but before everybody else. The idea is how long do you want to keep prospects sitting around, even though I'm sure the, there'll be big taxi squads, but how, do you long, how long do you want to keep these guys sitting around not playing? That doesn't help your, your prospect pool. Yeah, and the other part is you look at the KHL, you look at a goaltender like Ilya Sorokin, who hasn't signed his deal to come over yet because of the uncertainty of if he'll be able to play if he comes over, but will the KHL sign him to a deal that lets him leave? And that's something they've always been very reticent to do. So you look at that and there's a, they there's won't a lot of this questions. Time. Because of yeah, the they won't this time. Right. Bas- basically, if he was going to re-sign with them and they would take a one-year deal – he would have to do it by August. There's no way they're going to give him an out, like let him start the season in September and then leave the club maybe, you know, a month into it. I, I doubt they would ever allow that. This yeah, year. They, they, they can't prepare for their season that way. Uh, any other big right. takeaways in the announcement from uh, Gary Bettman or the availability with he and uh, Bill Daly that came after? Yeah, so the Hub City. So my initial idea, which I still like for the Hub City, I love Vegas for it. Now, Everybody's worried because, you know, the Vegas Strip's going to open. And we knew it was going to open. But I've stayed at the Orleans Hotel, which is off the Strip. And I've told people it's, A, because I'm cheap. And, and, but, B, it's good for the league because, A, they wouldn't have to spend first-class first money, which is fine. But also, that hotel used to you know, have a hockey rink. The Las Vegas Wranglers used to play there. Yeah. And they haven't used the ice in years, right? They haven't put ice down, but they've been doing roller derby and all kinds of stuff there. That could be the practice rink for that city because then you could have all the games at T-Mobile. Plus, they built a big complex in there with movie, movie theaters, restaurants, all that Self-contained. stuff. Self-contained. all in there. Self-contained. Yep. And so me as the hotel guy, like that was the first thought was, hey, put them in Vegas. Put them there off the strip. They're not even – then they're not even among the general population because, you know, you've been off the strip or at least seen it. It's not, it's not close. So that's a good thing. I think the next best one – to me, is Minnesota. That, that rank is unbelievable. They already have a lot of hotels, you know, because they do get Mall of America traffic and all those kinds of things. I think that's a really good location. But if they do feel like they have to go east-west, then I would go Pittsburgh because, again, they host a USHL event every year. Their practice facility could hold NHL games. Like, the Penguins practice there, and then the USHL is playing at the same time when I'm there. And that's how good <clears throat> that whole complex is. And they have a kitchen there with food and everything. So yep. that's a really good setup besides their own arena being one of the best in the league too. So those setups are good. I think there were a couple on the list to make the ownership of those teams happy. Like Chicago. LA. Yeah. They're, you know, Chicago is hard to get to that stadium. And they, yep. I don't think it would even be convenient to do it. Now LA, they were citing the LA live thing, but the problem with the LA live thing is half the population is going to be there all the time even yeah. if they're not able to go into a game, you're eating restaurants, you're shopping, all that stuff's going to be open at that point. That's, I think, too much for the players. And then the Canadian thing is interesting because now 
it's like political volleyball, whether the 14-day quarantine will be lifted for players or amended for players, so it won't be 14 days. But if the NHL doesn't get wind of that soon, I, and I don't think they were saying it on that call to be divisive. I think they were just saying on that call, like, hey, we got to go make other plans. Like, we just – we can't wait you out on this. You've got to give us an idea soon whether that's going to be lifted or not. And yeah, talk to them all the time. Part. So, yeah, lifting yeah, it to make the NHL players and his guys. Yeah, lifting it to make the players and the personnel essential personnel and they can travel country to country is one thing. Waving the quarantine is a totally different Correct. ball of wax. So, we'll, we'll right. see. Yeah, we'll see how they handle that. And so, um, the Canadians, you know, I know Canadian fans will get mad because, you know, like we're Americans and we're saying, hey, you should just keep it in the States. But most of the players are in the States. So, logistically, it is easier already because you're still going to have players coming in from Europe now who have to quarantine, even if it's going to be sped up. And it depends what city they go into. Like, that's the other part of this where the NHL can't control it. You know, if they go into Florida, you don't have to do anything. Florida doesn't care about anything. So, they're fine. They go into Philly, there's going to be a quarantine. Yeah. They go into New York, there's going to be a quarantine. And, And so, those players, from what we hear now, are starting to move and starting to come this way, but they don't know where to go. Like if you're, you know, like the Leafs players, they have unofficially put out a word that, hey, you know, come back. So they're going to go to Toronto, but at some point, what if Toronto has to come and practice here in the States? That may happen. Yeah. Well, the the one thing, and this is the last thing for the episode, um, you know, when you look at the the whole situation, um, I look at a team, and the teams that are the number four seed right now in this 2014 playoff, the teams that are the four seed that aren't playing in a play in round, the best of five and are playing in a round Robin are in the best situation because all they can do is improve their situation. The only thing they lose is tiebreaker. Um, They can improve their situation, but they cannot be hurt in their situation. That is the biggest win-win. To me, the four seed in the East, which is the Flyers, the four seed in the West, it, they are the, the biggest benefactor of the 24-team setup because they're going to get meaningful games in with the opportunity right. to move up in their seeding. But if they are to falter, it doesn't matter because they can't move down. And that, to, for a team like the right. Flyers? I think it's Dallas, right? Yeah, Dallas is in the Western Conference, yeah. Right. I mean, no, they're in a great spot because they can actually win out now and win the conference. It's not likely. For yeah, but they need to reseed, to too. Out. They need to reseed after the playoff round, the play-in round. I disagree. There's two reasons why I want brackets. First one is give me a bracket show. All of a sudden, I've got content now, and I can have a bracket show. You can't have a bracket show if you're doing reseeding. So give me the brackets for that reason. Also, give me the brackets because – there still should be some benefit if you did well in the regular season. And even though teams shouldn't have to look ahead, if I'm team X who's in first place, I know, Hey, these two teams are playing. I'm I know that I'm going to play one of those two teams in the next round. I could still sort of mentally prepare for that. My video guys can prepare for that. Mm-hmm. My team could, you know, somebody's going to call Steve Ballacat about that. Right. And, and you could prepare if it's receding, there's no preparation time, man. It's going to be chaos. Yeah, which which was go back to what Jeff Merrick said, which is what we want. The thing is, though, with the with that, if the Flyers remained the number four seed and Pittsburgh did lose, 
the Flyers would then, as the four seed, get the 12th ranked team in the conference. And to me, if Boston's the yeah. number one seed and they win the round robin, they should get that 12th ranked team. It should be 12 versus one there. Should be. If that were to happen. That's fair. I mean, but yeah. I get what you're saying in that regard. I still want the brackets. I don't know why. My brain is stuck on the brackets. But, you know, the other thing about um, the actual resetting of the season, the with the hub cities again, that's got to get figured out soon because, like, we know fans can't go, and we know that only certain personnel can go. But they've got to just figure out all the logistics. Like, you know how they set up things for – you know, the draft and everything else, and they procured a hotel or whatever, you know, you gotta, you're going to have to do that quick because what might happen is those cities might open up before you have a chance to set up a deal with one of them. To lock it and down. Going yeah. To lock it down. And it's hard because when you're trying to book that many rooms and all of a sudden these places went from no options to a lot of options, you might lose out on a hub city because you didn't jump on it. Yeah. And so I don't, I don't think they can wait much longer to actually announce the actual hub cities. I know they want to wait and see, you know, virus wise, but otherwise, you know, I'm not sure about that. And then as far as the lottery goes, the, um, like we're pretty sure they won't come up like the Jokers were, like I said, with three placeholders. But if it were to come up with a placeholder in the first spot and like Ottawa in the second spot and Detroit in the third spot, there would be fireworks, man. Yeah, and you'll see teams doing everything they can to get bounced out of that first round, that play. And well, if you're Montreal, uh, yeah. if you're Montreal, you want to get bounced because you weren't going to make the playoffs anyhow. You're no. not going far in this tournament. I know you have Carey Price and anybody could win, but no, you get not a good bounced. Team. Yeah, you, you get bounced. You will now have a 12.5% chance because as a placeholder, that's what I was getting at earlier in the show, mm -hmm. placeholder with that first spot where if this was the regular season and it ended, their chance would have been like, I don't know, 6%. So you've increased your odds by losing. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. You're absolutely right. You're dead That's on it. only if that spot comes up with a placeholder for the first one. But just imagine, what would they do, honestly, on that show if the three spots oh, man. were all placeholders? Like, how do you announce that? Erase the and tape and redo it? <laughs> I mean, it would, be, it would be a hard show, right? Like, it's literally a five-minute show. Like, yeah. After that, all you could talk about is scenarios. And you know how hard it will be for the guys in studio to work that? Oh, they'll be all baffled. The scenarios that they, yeah, woof. they'll be baffled, completely baffled. Which, hey, it's the NHL. Invariably, one of those spots is going to a placeholder. We all know it's going to happen. It's unlikely, mathematically unlikely, we know it's going to happen. Yeah, it was also mathematically unlikely for the Flyers to move up from 13 to 2 with a 2.1% yes. chance. And they did. And they drafted Nolan Patrick. And they did. Hasn't played a shift this year. <laughs> yeah, actually, so that's another great question. And I brought it up on another show. I'm sure he'll try and practice. When the season starts, do you think he's going to play? I don't think he's going to play. Uh, yeah, I mean, to me, any any guess would just be exactly that, a guess. Um, and it's they have a guess. Yeah, I mean, I think that, um, you know, they, they're not going to make any decision until they get eyes on them and can test them and, and do all those yeah. things. Um, I, I'd say it's probably unlikely, though. I mean, if I'm leaning yeah, in that direction, yeah. I'd say 70% chance that he doesn't play and that, you know, they have him ready to go for, you know, next season, whenever that should start, whether that's in, sometime in November or early December. So we'll see. But here's the deal, Russ. Um, and we're all expecting more. Yeah. 
Um, here, here's the deal. And the fact of the matter is, is that if they do get this thing off the ground and we, and it looks like they're going to based on where science is going and everything else at the moment, um, we're going to see a lot of hockey between the, the second half of July and July of next year. <laughs> That's it. So oh, if yeah. you're a hockey fan, you're going to get a lot of it without a lot of breaks in between. Yeah, it's going to be great. Yep. Um, my other question for you thinking flyers wise is we're pretty sure that frost will be on the expanded roster. Yeah, absolutely. What about someone like Sam Moran? Would he ever make the expanded roster, I wonder? I don't think that health-wise he's ready to do that. Okay, because I haven't um, heard any reports. Okay. Yeah, he has been skating. I did speak to him a while back, and I'm actually trying to to lock him in for an interview uh, for a Flyers Daily episode. Joe Seville and I have been going back and forth about locking down a time for him. Um, yeah. But he's been skating because, you know, injured players can skate, So and right. he has been working out. So, um I don't think for this playoff, but I think he could be ready for camp next year um, and have, okay. one, I guess, I guess y'all would term it one final kick at the can at the NHL. It's uh, his walk year, right? So, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's his walk year, right? Yeah. 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 I mean, he's such a good kid and, and he's worked he his rear end off so many times coming back and to get it, back. it's going to happen for him. It's going to have to happen now. So, um, Hey Russ, yep. awesome stuff. Episode 80 is in the can. Uh, 81 will come up and we'll see if we get even further information on hub cities and uh, further clarification on exact dates as we get closer and closer to the game returning to the ice where it belongs as your cat just jumped right through and uh, almost, I think, She's your stealth, man, she doesn't <laughs> care about the show, man. No, she doesn't. She's used to it. Yeah. Well, good for the cat. <laughs> in the meantime, everybody, thanks for listening to episode 80 of the stick to hockey podcast. We'll check you out next time right here and stay healthy.